0: Amen. And I'm, I'm gonna, I want to get into a subject matter that I am super thrilled about, stoked about, if I can say that, and really excited, simply because this has been something that's been brewing within my spirit, in my heart, for quite some time, actually months upon months. I'm almost into a year of this subject matter. And I've been waiting for it because we've had holidays, we have other things, and I've been waiting to just talk about this for quite some time. So I'm going to Go into it, and we're going to head long into it. We're going to actually open up an issue, an area of our walk of our life that, and it's something about God that I don't think gets talked about a whole lot. Uh, But at the same time, it's we we imply it, we we uh, um, we refer to God as being a certain way. But it's all throughout Scripture. It's all throughout the Bible. This description of who God is, and it's about God being. A rewarder. A rewarder. In fact, I would say in, in, in the, from the Bible I read and the God I know, he looks for opportunities to reward his children, to reward people, to reward his creation. He looks for opportunities to bless people. He, in fact, uh, there's the verse that I love in 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro, looking to and still within those whose heart are found searching for him and still within him his courage his spirit he's looking to reward now i think that's a truth that we sometimes forget and sometimes we not only forget it we'll we'll even twist it up a little bit because we we think that god is is i think sometimes we think that god is a is a punisher is a smiter if you will he's somebody that's looking to to uh, 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 discipline us and only to tell us where we're wrong. And, and I think that's kind of indicative of how we think about ourselves and how we think about others is how we actually will translate into how we think that that's how God thinks about us. Hello? Okay, just said that was a little dicey there for a second, but I think we got it. But the truth is that God is a rewarder. God looks to reward those who seek him. I love that. And I feel like if we could get that and really hold that and, and believe that, it will cause our lives to be lived for that very reason, to looking and seeking Him, the rewarder of our faith. Amen? So I got a, I got a, a few passages of Scripture, quite a few, and some of them are lengthy. So I'd really like, hopefully we can... Um, Kind of get out of them what I believe God is actually saying. You guys on that on that same page? The Holy Spirit, just yeah. Let's let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak through His Word. It's a good Word, the Bible that is. In Hebrews eleven chapter chapter eleven, starting in verse one. I'm going to read a few verses, six to be exact. Good to see everybody. By the way, everybody doing all right? Yeah. I already asked that. Yeah. And he responded with a resounding, eh. <laughs> Hebrews 11. This is a verse, a chapter in the Bible that we, we refer to it as the, uh, the chapter of faith and even uh, describing those that are uh, heroes of the faith, those that the Bible is describing. He kind of goes into uh, this place where people who walked by faith in history and God actually highlights them as, this is how you do it. This is how you emulate them, by trusting me. So they're heroes of our faith. In other words, they're people that we can look to and say, they did it well, they did it right, let's do it as they did it. And that's So he gives us this lengthy uh, description of people throughout scripture in history that trusted God, that trusted God with all that they had, all of their lives. And it's interesting, the, the list is, is, it's not exhaustive, but it's, it's got a lot of people in it that you wouldn't think are heroes. Uh, Rahab is one of them, and that's an interesting one, just so simply because she was a prostitute. But yet she trusted God in what God was doing at that very moment. And that's cool. That's cool, because that's, that's, that's I think, where God wants us to go, at least take the steps. Is like, hey... The stuff that's in the past of our life, it really shouldn't, it shouldn't be that which defines us, even if it has some uh, bearing on who we are at this very moment, because what's defining us is the steps we're taking forward now. And that's what faith is. Faith is a walk. You ever heard the term, a leap of faith? Yeah. Yeah, it's not in the Bible. In other words, we don't jump into faith. What do we do? We walk by faith. We walk, and there may be times that you have to jump over something, a hurdle. You like that? It's cute. But most of the time, we walk, and so it's this walk of faith, and that's why this is uh, <laughs> You guys let me have fun. I appreciate that. So let's go into the, um, Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1 through 6 in the ESV version. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The convictions of things not seen. For by it, this faith that he just described of what it is, it's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old receive their commendation. I like that word, commendation. What does that word mean? A good reputation. They receive their, you can even say their reward. That which they were after, they received it by their faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. In other words, it's just God just spoke it and it appeared. That's absolutely awesome. It's really amazing. By faith, this is cool, Abel... Offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Just let that settle in for a second that Abel, Abel, the second son of Adam and Eve, is still talking, still speaking. This act, this move, this one thing he did with his life that's recorded was to offer to God a sacrifice. We're going to talk about that. We're going to dig into that really deep after a minute because it's so cool. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Now, that's a mystery that I... I don't know how we can talk about it because it's absolutely mysterious. Like there's, there, there's, there's no record of it. All it says is that he was walking and then he was not. And that's like, wait, what? What do we get out of that? In fact, we, we have, I know some people have derived this like little uh, formula that says, well, you know, everybody's destined to die. So there's, there's uh, and he didn't die. And then there's this other guy in the Bible who didn't die either. You guys know who it is? Come on, Bible scholars and peoples, Elijah. Okay, that's an easy one. Elijah, who went up in a chariot. Like, and that's cool. So these two men didn't die. Well, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be two witnesses that come back during the end times that are witnesses for Christ. And and some have assumed and said, well, these are, that's Enoch and Elijah. They come back to do what? To die. (laughs) To witness and die. Because they do. They die and they're left in the street. But then they come back to life. That's always a good end to the story, right? Anyway, so it, and that's about as much as I'm going to talk about Enoch because that's about all that we know, other than that he was the father of Methuselah, who was the oldest man recorded in, in history. Right? Somebody can correct me. And by the way, you're, you're you're free and welcome to just raise your hand or just blurt out something, and I'll I'll try to I'll try to um, respond appropriately. So he was not found because he was, God had taken him. But this is what's cool. Listen to this. Now, before he was taken, he was commended, again that word, commended, as having done what? Pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he Rewards those who seek him. I love this concept, and this is the concept that I've, like I said, has been really just doing inside of me for some time now is that God is looking to reward. God is a rewarder. And our part in this is, is very simply described as this is those who seek him, he's looking to reward. So what does that look like? And so we, I think we need to, if we go back to, like one of these first descriptives of God, it's in uh, when He approached Abraham. Abraham is known as who? The father of our faith, correct? So in Genesis chapter fifteen, this is his first place where, where uh, God comes to Abraham. 15.1, actually, I'm just going to read the one verse because uh, He tells Abraham this. Uh, <clears throat> After, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says this, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, and your reward shall be very great. There's a, uh, one of the translations reads it, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. So I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward all in one. And what is that describing God as? So this is, a, this is one of the first descriptions of God coming to people after Adam and Eve, after Noah, and this is after the, you know, uh, uh, Noah and the ark, and this is God coming to the man that was, is a father of our faith, and this is his first description of himself. I am your shield, in other words, I'm your protector, and I'm also your great reward, I am that which is everything you look for, everything you long for, everything you're after, you'll find in me. I am it. And that's really cool because I think that's still true. Amen? You guys with me? Yeah, because this is really good stuff because this is what he's describing himself as to be. A rewarder. A protector. A provider. That which everything we need, God is. Hello? That's awesome. That's awesome because it, it, once, we, it, once we come to that realization and come to, and receive that as complete truth, as the absolute truth, that God is everything we need. God is our all in all. He is the, our I am. He is our rewarder. He is our protector, our provider. And when we come to that, then that causes us to do what? It's to seek after him. Hello? And... and, and, and Seeking after Him as our protector, provider, rewarder. Hello? Maybe, can I ask you a question? I'll pause for a second. And um, do some of you struggle with that, that concept? God's looking to reward. God's a rewarder. It's a, it's a little bit of a struggle sometimes because we think, well, here's something I want to I clear up if I can. I think sometimes we think, well, we should just do the right thing without ever looking for any reward whatsoever. In other words, just, let's just do the right thing for the right reason all the time, no matter what. If we're looking for a reward, we're, looking for, we're doing it for the wrong reason. Hello? I, I, I want to clear that up because I'm thinking, is there anything in your life that you do that, 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 that works out that way? To be honest... Is there anything in we do in life that we do and there's nothing at the end of it for us? There is. What is it? I'm I'm just curious because I don't think there is. I I, I, I don't mean to call you on it, but I just don't think there is. Hello? Hello? You guys with me? I I want us to get this to where we understand that, 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 that everything we do, there's something behind it the reason we do it. It, so what we're called and I'm cha- challenging us to do, and this is something that I feel like the Lord's putting in my spirit, is let's do the right thing for the right reason, because we're doing everything for a reason, regardless. Hello, I'm just being honest. Hello, is that okay? Okay, did I did I lose you or did I make you nervous? Okay, all right, okay. Well, let's talk about what it requires what's required to please God. How about that? How about that? You guys with me? Who's not with me? Okay, good. Nobody's raising there. <laughs> I think we're all together. Let's, uh, I think just opening up something that is like, oh gosh, I don't know if I thought of it like that, but okay. And that's okay, because that's where I feel like the Lord's taking us to open up something, a truth about God that we might not have actually really thought about. Very in, intently anyway or or intentionally, so I want to go back to what this looks like to please what it looks like to please God um, because I think that can be a little bit misconstrued also uh, We seem to want to make God out to be. Two different things sometimes. And sometimes these different things we make God out to be can be based on some truth or all of the truth or maybe even just no truth at all. Um, That God is a smiter. God is looking to punish us. That's not true. Does God punish? Does God smite? Yes, he does. But is he looking to do that? I don't believe so. Uh, Because the Bible doesn't describe him that way. God is looking to reward us. Yes. Is that true? 100%. What is our involvement in that? Being pleasing to God. Okay, I'll just, you know, God's a good father, right? Hello? Right. Come on, you guys, with, you, let's do this. Okay, God is a good father. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm a father of four children, six grandchildren. I am pleased with my children always that's not true come on you guys (laughs) no do they do things that cause me to say doggone it why did you do that is that like being pleased with them come on let's be honest no there's sometimes they like oh I gotta spank you now I mean not any longer because they well it's just different but do they ever stop being my children Absolutely not. Do I love them unconditionally? Yes. Do they do things that are pleasing to me? Yes. Always? No. no. There, we got it. God's a good father. His evaluation is accurate, true, and to the, uh, uh, the, the innermost, even, attitudes of our heart. Now, that, that's good, And a little bit like, oh, snap. (laughs) He knows everything. So what I'm getting at is this is, you know, he's because he says it this way Abel pleased God. Enoch pleased God. How it was Abel, or what did Abel do? Or maybe the question is this Abel pleased God by giving him his firstborn of his flock, correct? The best and the most valuable. What was the difference between Cain's uh, offer and Abel's offer? Cain's sacrifice and Abel's sacrifice. Because there was a difference. Two children offered to God an offering. Cain offered something. Abel offered something. God said, I'm pleased with your, your offering, Abel. To Cain, he said, not so pleased with. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a good answer, and it's the right answer, but I want to get deeper into, like, why? Why, what, and what happened here? What broke down in Cain, and what caused Abel to do what was right? Hello? Are you guys interested in this? Yeah. I am. Just tell, us Just tell us the answer? Well, I want us to think about it for a second. <laughs> what did Cain offer to God? That which he had, some of his leftovers, that which was, yeah, just okay. It was an offering. And here's where we start to misconstrue the things about God. Is like, well, God should just be happy with just giving whatever I give him. If he don't like it, fooey on him. And that's kind of the attitude that a lot of people, Christians alike, even today, take towards God like, well, God should just be happy with, you know, well, at least, you know, I gave him this. It's like, but see, that's not the case. And that's why I wanted to get this to the, to the heart of this and the truth of this, because it's simple. It's, it's a little complicated in our hearts, but it's a simple concept. Give God your best. Give God your all, and he'll be pleased with you. It's that simple. Is it that challenging? Absolutely. Absolutely, it's a challenge. And when you look at it and you start breaking down, I think this, this difference between Cain and Abel, you know, I'll even take the maybe the more pressing question, which is how can we be pleasing to God as Abel was? And breaking down the difference of these two offerings. Because according to the writer of Hebrews, Abel's offering is doing what? Still speaking. Did you hear that? He still speaks. So if he's still speaking, maybe we ought to do what? Listen. Listen. Amen. Tori, did you have a question? Okay, that's good. She said uh, Abel's offering was by faith, with faith, and Cain's was without faith. Obedience. Well, obedience is... And that's accurate also. All those answers are accurate, but I think I want to get to the depth of the heart of the issue here. That's where I want to go, because those are 100% accurate and true and right. The question I would even raise with Robin's response was, because it said Abel's was out of obedience, how did he know to obey? How did he know to give this offering? It wasn't written. It wasn't part of a code. It wasn't part of the law. It wasn't part of the rules. Where did it come from then? Do you see where I'm getting to? Where did it come from? The heart, yes. But what part of the heart, what's going on in Abel's heart and what's going on in Cain's heart for Abel to give God his absolute best and Cain to give God what was left? Faith. Faith. You guys are good. Man, we're getting there. (laughs) Okay, I'll just go for it. Because I feel like this is going to open it up. It's who he knew was the supplier. It was out of humility. It was Abel said, I, I had nothing. Abel was able to say this. Okay, that Hear this in his spirit. Because he speaks. I had nothing to do with producing this beautiful, perfect lamb. This sheep. God is the one who is the splier. God is the one who is the creator of all things. God is everything. I am just a lowly, humble servant. And from Cain's heart was, look what I did. I toiled this ground. He was the farmer. He was the one who raised the wheat. Look what I did. Look what I deserve. And this is what I'm giving you and it ought to be enough. In fact, it ought to be enough so much so I want a response as my brothers. And God said, hey, listen, son. And this is so kind and merciful of God. Sin is crouching at your door because pride is swelling up in your heart. That's a cool jam. I like it. That'll be on. That'll be recorded too. You'll be able to hear it. That's so cool. We'll just wait. Not going to compete. So listen to this. This is what I wrote. True humility pleases God and in turn invokes a rewarding response from Him. I'll say it again. True humility pleases God and in turn invokes a rewarding response from Him. here's a couple of really good examples, and I'm going to get into these. This is where a couple of lengthy scriptures come into play. In Jesus' encounter, encounters in people's lives, he ran across this pretty regularly. Um, One of his, in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 6, this is is a New New Living Translation. says, he's coming across... I think it's, this is an amazing story. A centurion. A centurion was a Roman officer, a Roman soldier. The centurion had a centurion had control, or um, it was over 100 soldiers. And in, a, in a, uh, a, a, a legion of soldiers, there were 6,000 soldiers, and there was a commander. The commander had control over the centurions, the centurions had over control over the soldiers. So there's 60 centurions in this um, legion of soldiers, Roman soldiers. So he was one that was under a commanding officer, but over other soldiers, correct? In authority. So obviously this is a situation that is a little bit dicey if you really think about it. Because at this time, Rome had taken control over all that was Jewish at that time, all of Israel at that time. And it was a a conflict for the Israelites, for the Jews at this time. It wasn't like they invited them in. They just came in and they took over and started running things. And so this centurion soldier comes to Jesus and he says this, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Did I skip a verse? Okay, sorry. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said this, Lord, I am not worthy. See, see how key that is? I want you to hear this really quick. I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word and and from where you are, and my, say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need, I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and, this, and they come. And I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. And when Jesus heard this, he was absolutely amazed. And turning to those who were following me, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. I mean, that's absolutely an offensive thing to say in the presence of his fellow Israelites. I mean, all of Israel. We're talking Mary, his mom. We're talking John the Baptist, the baptizer, that where everybody respected and honored John the Baptist, the baptizer, as the man of great faith. The Elijah had to come. And you're telling us that this man, this centurion, this Gentile, this outsider, has faith more than anybody? How is that possible? So not only did he commend this man's faith, but he offended everybody else in the crowd, all in one fell swoop. That's why he says, I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to this Roman officer, go back home, because you believed It has happened. And the young man, the young servant was healed that very same hour. Now, not only did this Roman centurion understand this concept, this principle of the power of God to be able to speak the word and it happened. He understood these spiritual concepts, too, that were taking place, the spiritual dynamics that he had the power to heal even from a word that was a distance away. In other words, there was no no barrier, no barrier of space, no barrier of power that was going to stop if Jesus just spoke it. It would be done. Now do you see the kind of faith that Jesus saw? You can see it, and Jesus saw it recognized it, commended it. But see, where it came from was this one place. Remember the word, the wording that the, the centurion used? I am not worthy. I am not worthy. It came from where? The true humility in his heart. He didn't feel like he deserved it. He didn't feel like it was owed to him. He didn't feel like he could even demand it. Because of his position in the government or in culture or society, he felt unworthy to be, to even have Jesus come into his home. I don't know why that's so cool and so rich. In such an attitude that causes us to really alter our perspective and even change our wording, our language, and how we see things. That attitude of humility. To understand that what Jesus says will come into play if I just simply just humble myself and trust him. In this place of faith that we, we're longing to be, this, I, I think it's a place that I, if, I, if I ask every one of us, I think you'll, it's going to be a resounding yes. is Do you want to, at the end of the day, live your life to where it's pleased God? Yes. Yeah. I think every one of us would say yes to that. Because that's what we really want to do. We, at the end of the day, I, I'm going to stand before him. Every one of us is going to stand before him. And will it be a pleasing response? And, and here's even, even this is where we're going to go deeper into this throughout our, throughout our discussion in, in other weeks Is it doesn't have to be at the end of the day, it could be right here and now. Because he, the, yeah, he's a rewarder. And he's looking to reward. And he's got rewards for us at the end of it all. But he's also got rewards for us right here in the midst of it all. Hello? Did you guys hear that? That was from the Lord. So in other words, you know, maybe what we're seeking after, we need to come to that place that, like this centurion said, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. But Lord, if I just seek you and I go after you, if you so choose to bless me. And reward me, then so be it. Even in this life and the life to come. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. There's another example I want to share because it's really good. It's in Mark chapter 7. This is good stuff, huh? I think so. I'm having fun. I hope everybody else is too. I hope it's in, in doing something inside of you to really cause us to seek what it is we're seeking after. In Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24, says that Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. This is interesting because it's another situation of another person who wasn't a Jew. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it secret. <laughs> right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Because you see, her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit. And she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. And since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, did I say that correct? Phoenicia? Okay, it was close. Jesus told her, first I should feed the children, my own family. The Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw them to the dogs. She, re- wait, wait. It, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Did you hear what Jesus just said? Hello. Yeah. I, I don't. You could. You can. You can. Cut the pizza pie in half. Cut it in eighths. Cut it in a bunch of little tiny little squares. Either way. He called her a dog. However you spin it, however you twist it, however you try to explain it and define it, he just called her a dog. Now, if by chance, like, let's just let's play this out for a second. Let's have fun for a minute. Jesus shows up on the scene in America. America. 2023. Right? Is that what year we're in? Yeah. think so. And he shows up and he starts teaching and healing and performing miracles that are like, wow, he's getting everybody's attention. And this woman comes to him and says, Jesus, will you do this for me? And he refers to her as a dog. What's going to be her response in 2023? I'm going to tell you what it's going to be. How dare you? You just offended me. And I'm going on social media to blast you as a racist. How dare you. And she would have walked away and she will walk away in America without being healed. Without the help that she actually went to him for. Because he offended her. Hello? Hello? Am I wrong? You know I'm not wrong. I'm 100% right. That's exactly what would happen. But she, she did something that I feel like we can learn, and it's speaking to us. Learn to be and to do in our day, in America, and in Lincoln, California, in the year 2023. We just started it. Let's do this. Because she did something. She humbled herself, and she said, you're right, Jesus. Jesus. That's true. You should take care of others before you take care of me. Wow. Not a lot of songs about that, are there? Take care of me first. Me first. Me first. Yeah. Me, me, me. You should take care of others before you sh- should take care of me. But even the dogs, even the dogs they could sit under the table And they're allowed to eat the crumbs that fall from the children's plates. In other words, I just want a piece of you, Jesus. And I'll do whatever it takes. I'll humble myself. I'll humble myself. I'll take the lowly position. I just know that I need you, Jesus. I know, Jesus, you're the only answer. You're the only answer for the help that I need. You're the only answer for my daughter that's really in pain. She's struggling. She's suffering because evil has got a hold of her. And you, Jesus, are the only answer for my daughter. You, Jesus. No matter what, and everything else that's out there, all of what's culture's saying, everything else, that, and all the psychological stuff that's saying, if you do this and do that right, and all these things that say, if I, if I just would do these things and do, make these 10 steps and do this two-step dance that way and this way, my marriage will work out. And I need to just say, no, it's just you, Jesus. I need to take the lowly position, the humble position to say, I need you, Jesus, in all of it and in everything. And when I do that, that's when I believe the door is opened up. Hello? No, listen to this. The door is opened up for God to move in. God to move in. And I'll use the word officiate because that's actually what he's doing. Because he's got the power and he's got the willingness, because he's looking to bless, he's looking to do good, he's looking to reward, and he's able to. The door just needs to be opened for him to move in our midst and officiate his power and his love and his kindness and his goodness, his forgiveness, his healing. His touch into our lives. Open the door. And I believe this 100%, only from the humble attitude. Well, let's go on. Let me finish the story. Because, because he says this this is, this is great. This is Jesus. Good answer. <laughs> He's just so real. Good answer. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because she responded in humility, it opened the door for God to move. Come on, we got to see this, right? Are we seeing it? Let's see it, and let's hold on to it. Let's grab it, and let's move in it. Because it's only from a humble attitude do we see clearly. And from the clear perspective, we are able to seek God truly. Only from the humble attitude. Seek to please God in everything we do, everything we say. Even go as far as seeking to please God into. to... With the motives of our heart. Because that's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. And I believe 100% that it's possible to please God. Hello? Hello? I mean, I really do believe that it is absolutely possible to please God. Only from humility does it take place. So I'm going to do something right now. There's a... um, I think just to bring it around to where we really get it, we grasp it, and we say, okay, let that settle in, sink in, and and hear what it is that there's a truth that needs to be conveyed about God, rewarding, because when you think about a reward, there's something that it's heavily implying that it requires to God for God to be a rewarder, is to do what? He's got to judge. He's got to... Okay, I'll use a kinder word, assess the situation. Right? Evaluate your life. For him to reward you, he's got to look at you. Hello? I I I know we want to think that that God is just, you know, this God that's like, hey, I'm just gonna boom, I'm gonna throw a bucket of rewards on everybody. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he's very clearly, poignantly looking to every at every situation. He even says this one thing, I think it's really it's surreal and a little bit scary, <laughs> is that God is going to look at you and actually even assess, evaluate, judge even the careless words that come out of your mouth. What? Are you kidding me? The careless words? Man, I've been careful with bad words. Well, how much more are those going to face that judgment? Hello? Am I the only one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know most of you, all of y'all says bad words. Not talking about bad words. I'm talking about bad stuff you say to people. We won't talk about that, Right. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Good news, right? The blood of Jesus covers our sin. Hallelujah. So, but there's still this thing that's happening here, and this is where I'm going to get about, I'm going to talk about it next week, is there's different judgments that are going to take place. The blood of Jesus covers your sin, and in that blood of Jesus, it's holding you And looking to you, now God will look at you as righteous because you have the blood of Jesus covering your very heart, your very soul, your entirety of who you are. But the Bible is super clear and extremely directive that even after the blood of Jesus covers you as a believer, he is assessing your life, what you do with the blood of Jesus, what you do with this faith, what you do with the talents that he's given you. It's really important for us to understand that. Hello? Yes. It really is. I believe so. So that's going to get into some fun issues. So bring your friends next week. Yeah. Talk about judgment. Health. No. <laughs> In a good way, though. Okay, because look at it this. Look at it like this. Look at it like this. Um, Uh, understanding God is, is, we're going to stand before him in judgment isn't to scare us, it's to awaken us, enlighten us, alert us. Hello? Uh, I still remember uh, I was 15 years old, okay? I don't know if you guys have all heard this story because it's like one that still like, it rattles my brain a little bit when I think about it. When I was 15 years old, I was working uh, construction down on Greenback Lane, okay? And this was way back, and I'm gonna tell you guys, I lived in Lincoln a long time, way back when there was no Highway 65 bypass. You had to drive down Industrial Boulevard, drive through Old Roseville to get to Highway 80 to get onto Greenback Boulevard. So, and I had a little Honda 250, wee, wee, little rice burner, I was like zipping down, I was like I was 15 years old, and I was starting that baby up at five in the morning and riding to work. With a hammer and all this stuff because I was building fences. So here I am, and this is like, okay, the sun's coming up, and it was a warm summer day because I was in high school, so it was during the summer. So I was like, ah, this is beautiful. I'm just riding. This isn't even before helmet laws, but I did wear a helmet. Okay? This is how old I am. Okay? There used to be a time in California where they didn't have helmet laws. Serious. That was the thing. Or seatbelt laws. I know. Let's not go far that far back. That's like, oh. So... So I'm I'm cruising along. This is I'm coming down Riverside Boulevard and all of a sudden I am rolling through an intersection. And I didn't even realize I was running a red light. The only thing that caused me to realize I was running a red light, because I was enjoying the ride, was I drove right between two cars. Cross cross, they were crossing, and I went right between them. I well, that's what I did. Like Whoa, oh, 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 oh. My heart started beating really fast. I'm like, wow, how did I do that? What just happened? I got away with it one time. And I tell you this, I do not, do not ride carelessly on my motorcycle ever since then. Do you hear what I'm saying to this? Understanding that there are, there are, consequences there's things to be um uh, well there's there's rewards for doing what's right and there's consequences for doing what's wrong i got away with it once by the grace of god by the mercy of god and i will not do it ever again and so now i ride so cautiously and so carefully because that happened to me i'm 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 55 this year yeah i could live in lincoln hills I think I'm gonna like give it a give it a look. Like say, yeah. Senior discount. They give it to me that way anyway. Ask the boys. Like they laugh at me all the time. So like, what the heck? I got a dollar off my bill and they're laughing. Ha ha you got a senior discount. Oh. Like, oh man. Hey, it's a dollar. They'll take it. Anyway. It's to awaken us, enlighten us, alert us, cause us to do and choose what's right with this life because we only have it. It's just a vapor. It's just a short time. So let's be awake and alert to doing what's right, to doing what's good and doing what's good and doing what's right for the right reason in our heart. And this, with this, there'll be reward, great reward because he is our exceedingly great reward. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter five. This is 10 verses. I'm gonna read Paul writing, he says, for we know that li- there's, there's a lot of truths in here that I think you're going to really like and enjoy, but there's the, there's the whole concept, the whole theme is, is about reward. He says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself. And not by human hands, well we may grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bo- we will, for we will put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. So that's kind of clearing that up, we're not going to be floating around. We don't become angels when we die. we, be- we have this other body. So while we live in these earthly bodies we groan and we sigh <laughs> yes and the older we get the more we groan but it's not what we want it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us rather we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life god himself has prepared us for this and as a guarantee he has given us his holy spirit So we are always confident. So this is what it ought to produce. Listen to this. Always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Or in other words, we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are fully confident and we should, we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the lord so whether we are here in this body or come from or 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 here in this body or away from this body our goal is to please him hello for we must all stand before christ to be judged assessed evaluated we will each receive whatever we deserve For the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. That's a scriptural truth. That's from the Bible. That's about us and that's about what's going to happen. This truth is not intended to scare us. but But to make us very aware and awake to the reality that God is looking to reward you. He's hoping to pass you. He's desiring to bless you. I could share this story because I think it's, it's, it's a neat one to me. It's dear to my heart, actually. Have you ever, and some of you have, like you've, you ever had a, when you go to take a driving test or a, mostly, I'm going to use the DMV as an example right now. Let's just use them. They're fun. To... Does anybody work for the DMV? No, Noel's mom did. She doesn't any longer. She was one of the good workers there, though. Yeah. Um, you ever been to a DMV or went to go take a driving test where it seems as though they're just looking to fail you, looking for you to screw up so they could just say, nope, let's go reschedule it? Huh? And then there's some places that are looking to pass you. I, 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 could, I can testify to this, that there are certain DMVs in our area that are looking to fail you and certain ones that are looking to pass you. The entire operation, the whole office, runs this way. So it was back when Glenn had needed to retake his uh, written test for his driver's license. I made sure to take him to the one that was looking to pass him. So he and I made an appointment. We did this together. I said, "Let's go. We'll do this. Let's make sure, let's uh I want to help you. So let's do it." So we drove there, made the appointment, and uh and, and got his uh all of the the whatever it's called, the California ID all at the same time. Doing all this stuff and then and then so that was that was like complicated, but we did it. We made it through all the computer stuff and and stuff. Well, it's time to t- and take the test, the written test. So I think it was only like 20 questions. And the lady says, hey, sir, you can't stand by him because he needs to take it by himself. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll just stand over here. And uh, he, he comes away and he's like, well, I guess we got to reschedule. I didn't pass it. I'm like, oh, man, bummer. And here's what I did. And I prayed. I like, Lord, if it's your will for him to keep driving, pass him. Let him pass. If it's not, then so be it. I prayed that because it was getting dicey there at the end there when he was driving and we were all a little nervous. Our faith was increased many times. Ask the boys. They'll say, oh, man, I was praying the whole time. Like, but, hey, you know what? He, not once, not once did he ever cost anybody anything, just a couple scratches on the, on the bumper, and that's it. No, no biggie. That's, what they're, that's why I learned the term. Well, that's why they call it a bumper. I learned it from him. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so he, so he, uh, he's like, man, we got to reschedule. And I said, oh, man, okay, well, let's go up and talk to her and we reschedule. And, and she goes, oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to reschedule. Just wait three minutes and you can retake it. I'm like, really? Is this a new thing? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah. We've been doing this for a while now. You just got to wait, wait three minutes and you can retake it. I said, oh, that's exciting. That's great. I so said, Glenn, let's walk around. The building, let's get some fresh air, because I could tell we are in this, you know, this place for like over an hour now. and Just not good air. And so we, need, so we went around outside, got some fresh air, and he came back in, and boom, passed it. Like the next time, it's was like, yeah, awesome. I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. But then, oh, well, we got to check your eyesight. And I'm like, uh-oh. Oh, snap. Because I knew he'd have been having issues with his eyes at the time. And they had the board up there, and it was not going well. Not going well. In fact, he was like, I, I can't read any of it. I can't make out any of the letters. And I'm like, oh. But here's what was, this is what I want to see this. I know it's a picture of this. And I, I you know, yeah, the DMV clerk is not God. I know that. I'm not saying that, but. She was so kind and so benevolent, just so gracious. She said, well, is there one eye that sees better? He's like, well, yeah, this eye sees a little better. He goes, well, can you just maybe cover the other eye so maybe it'll help you to make out just just one letter. One letter. He's like, well, okay. He's like, no, I still can't do it. It's like, and he tried, he tried with both eyes, tried with glasses off, he's trying all this stuff. And, and finally, he's like, Well, I'm gonna say it's a D. And she goes, And this is very, very top one, you know. That, and she goes, That's close enough. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't know to get excited or really scared, because <laughs> it wasn't a D. I was really, I, but here's where I came to this conclusion of like, God, you are so good because you are so kind and you're looking to pass us. And then I had to also come to this place, hey, I'm the one that prayed. If he passes, it's meant to be. So that's all me. So I'm like, okay. But I want to tell us this because this is, this is I think, indicative of, of our walk and our walk by faith. We got to see God as a good father. God is a good father that looks for opportunities to pour goodness into you. His goodness. And if you can, I'm going to ask you because I know you can, by the power of God and the mighty power of the Holy Spirit, take captive the thoughts that are not those that, are, that you think God is, wants bad for you. Take those thoughts captive And throw them in the trash and make them obedient to Christ who's paid the price for your life to give you goodness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? We have to do this. And I believe in that humble approach to God saying, God, I don't deserve anything. And it's only by your goodness that you give me everything that he then opens the door. And the door is opened up for him to pour into us all of his goodness. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your absolute love for us, your your goodness, your kindness that actually leads us and draws us and and compels us to trust you with everything, with all things, for you, God, to be our, our shield, our protector, for you, God, to be our provider, for you, God, to be our source of life, for you, God. To be our blesser and our rewarder. It's not by anything that we do, but simply to trust you. So that's the place that we posture ourselves this morning to humbly just trust you. Say, it's not by my doing, it's not by my power, not by my might, but by your power, your might, that we are healed, that we see clearly. And that we can completely trust you with everything in our lives. In Jesus' precious name, hallelujah and amen.